What's going on, everybody? All right, so today we are going to talk about the dangers of being overbooked. And I'm going to take the stance that I don't think you should be fully booked. You think, well, yeah, Jordan, I should be fully booked. Like, I want to try to make as much money as possible. I need to fill up my schedule. I got nothing else to do. I need to make some money. Bam. And I figured out how to do the circle. Look at this. I'm in the circle, and then I can switch back. Full screen. It's perfect. We're doing great. Let me make sure I'm in this circle. I feel like I gotta like squeeze right in there. Okay. So the dangers of being fully booked. You're a photographer and you think, all right, this is the goal. I want to add there are 52 weeks in the year. There are two Fridays. There's a Friday, there's a Saturday each weekend. So that's hundreds, a hundred at least a hundred days that I gotta be booked. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. So let's talk about why people want to be fully booked. It is for two things in the very surface level, and I'd say it's revenue and marketing. So revenue, that's the obvious part where you just say, I want to make as much money as possible. The more projects we can jam into this machine that is my, our business, the more money we can make. And then on the other side is, I say it's a marketing thing. You can say it's a brand, branding thing, whatever synonym you want to use. But they want to say, or you know, you'll see it in the Instagram bio, oh, I'm fully booked. Fully booked for 2020, fully booked for 2021, now booking for 2022. And, or there's also, you know, when you're in the client conversation, the sales conversation, you say, Oh, I'm so busy. I am fully booked. I'm fully packed. My schedule is completely full. I'm, I'm overbooked. And then, so that is, that's kind of the revenue and marketing angle. So, like I said, my goal is to convince you that opening up your schedule, is the most profitable thing you can do in your business. And that's what I hope by the end of this video, by the end of this presentation, you will be on my side about this. Maybe you're a little skeptical right now. Maybe you're still like in the mindset like, yeah, I do need to make as much money as possible. Jordan, what are you talking about? More projects, more money, more revenue. A plus B equals C. So let me tell you a little story. Company I used to work for. Let's talk about this company I used to work for. So I used to work for a video production company, and they were super corporate, and so they had a larger corporate team. They had a sales department with sales managers and people who did not, weren't in the video production world. They just were salespeople, just calling people, smiling, dialing, cold emails, calling people, getting lunch, uh, a straight up sales department with sales directors and all that, and, and commission and thing. And, and what they did is they just kept feeding the monster. They just kept more projects, the better we get. Uh, hey, I just close. I just closed the deal. Got on this. We got a new client. Hey, we just cl you know click cl click client click. You know, just like constantly, just feeding this machine. And what happened is we got so far. You know, there was the sales side, and then there was the video side. So it's and this is probably in happens all the time in every situation. Or like, there's always the fight between like sales and execution, or whatever the you know the technician. They sell too many projects for the technical team to do, and that's what happened. So they we kept feeding the monster. They overloaded the team to the point where everybody was stressed out. We were like doing multiple projects. I I was on a shoot where my producer had to leave midway through a shoot to go to another shoot because they were producing an another shoot. Or on days, it, it was brutal to watch. Like I was kind of sort of shielded from this or just kind of I was the shooter editor 
and I didn't have to manage the projects, but these producers, they were on the, you know, day one, we would shoot a project, and then in the afternoon, or we'd wrap at night, they would go and work another four hours on tomorrow's project for a totally different project, work that day, and then come back on day three. It was like, it was, it was crazy. Just, and then, but we, you know, and we push back. We say, hey, sales, you're, you're, you're selling too many products. You're selling too many products. We can't keep up with this. We're, what we're having to do is now I'll bring to my next point. It became unprofitable to the point because we were getting burnout. We had people were calling in sick. People were taking days off. People like we could only, we were kind of hitting up against that threshold of how many projects we could possibly do with our team. So in the excess, we had to start outsourcing. We had to start hiring other people and just paying them straight cash. And that's what became so, so that's why how it became unprofitable because we were just basically, I won't even say we were kind of taking a management fee, but we were outsourcing the shooting and then outsourcing the editing and then outsourcing the graphics to the point where sales was taking their commission and then the producers were managing the project. But I don't know if we were taking a management fee, but then everything else was being totally outsourced. So we weren't shooting it. We weren't editing it. Um, and it just became, it was nuts. It was just like complete, you know, it was way, way too much. So, like, you know, the kind of, the mantra was like, just keep selling videos and like that. And, and you probably have heard this. And I, like I said before, like the sales team is always going to fight with the execution team. Like you're selling too many projects or, you know, you are, you, you know, sales would like set up a really bad project or a really cheap client. And then they would pass it down to us and we just kind of deal with the shit because, you know, shit rolls downhill, so to speak. And what they failed to do, and this is like the, the thing I kept seeing, I was like, we're fully booked. We have no other days. Like we have next Tuesday is our only time slot for the next eight weeks. Literally every single workday, every Saturday we were fully booked. I think we had some Sundays off, but it was like people were traveling on Sundays. and what they never did, they never used their capacity to their advantage. And we're going to talk about that word, and I want you guys to start, maybe start looking that up while you're watching. But they did not use their capacity to their advantage. And what, you know, I'll, we'll talk, I'll, I'll go a little bit more into that, but they didn't. When you say you're overbooked, you know, I'm not saying that when people at the beginning of the presentation, when I said that people using marketing saying like, oh, we're fully booked for 2021. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but we would just keep feeding the machine as if nothing was happening as if you know they weren't we weren't kind of following these kind of laws of supply and demand where the lower and lower our supply got of availability team members the high, and the higher our demand got we didn't adjust our price we didn't adjust what we were doing we just kept doing the same thing over and over selling cheaper and cheaper projects uh and just and it just became a quantity game or the you know this might be a tangent but sales probably had a totally different incentive than what was actually meant to be and that's that's a totally different video that we should talk about later so let me talk about in photography and in freelance in general creative creative client services the overbooked death spiral and this is kind of what we felt at that company first you get burnout you get too many projects on your plate and you just you're overworked you were working 40 hours now you're working 60 hours now you're working 100 hours and now you haven't seen anybody for the last two weeks. Then the quality starts to drop because you're 
you're just so there's too many projects you're kind of phase, phasing in and out maybe you're not getting enough sleep anymore and you just you you start to hit this wall of this is as much as i can do and then you start to fail and then you start to have failures in client experience maybe you're missing a couple emails you're missing a couple calls you're having to call people again or you're you thought you were supposed to shoot on wednesday but that was actually a meeting and you got double booked on a meeting and then just the the experience with your clients the one-on-one kind of touch points and the kind of you're unable to kind of handhold each client and give them that personal attention you just start to kind of everything starts to f- slip out from under you and it just kind of everything starts to you just go straight down hip from there and then your clients get unhappy because you're not delivering what you said you could deliver and they get and then when they get unhappy they it starts to lead to bad reviews and then bad reviews or no reviews or you start people bad word of mouth and people just start to you know which leads to fewer and fewer referrals. If people aren't happy about the work that you, they were had with you or the client experience that they had with you, they're not going to recommend that. They're, they will either say nothing or they will start to badmouth you and say, don't work with these people. They won't give you the time of day. They're going to pass the buck. And and it's kind of like rightfully deserved. So that's where it becomes like that that death spiral where Everything just goes down, down and down and down and down. You know, you fail here and then this causes you to fail some more and that causes some more slippage and then just keep down, down, down until you're basically just, you lost all your clients or all your clients are now pissed off at you and you have no future referrals because no one's going to give you a good review because you slipped up and you overworked yourself. So now you're overworked, tired, stressed, and you have bad clients and, you know, you have no referrals and you have no future. (laughs) It's like, that's the death spiral. That you can find yourself in. So let's kind of talk about photographers. All right. So like a wedding photographer, I was trying to do I was trying to think about this today. I was like, okay, how what's a wedding photography season typically? Let me take a sip of my drink. All right. So I was trying to think. All right, I think it depends on where you are in America. If you're in the South, like I was, it's a lot hotter in summer. So maybe some people don't have weddings during July and August because it's just a hundred degrees and we're all wearing tuxedos. Um, sometimes the further up north you get, wintertime is totally not an option. It's freezing cold. Maybe you can get away with like an indoor wedding or indoor banquets. What if you want to do any kind of beautiful outdoor stuff or some foliage or have some nice pretty flowers? It's too cold. Sometimes it's just too cold. So, or it's around the holidays and it's kind of weird. You know, people will have the, the New Year's weddings, but regionally, let's say just on average, whether it's the summertime or the wintertime, or whatever. It's about nine months of this of the wedding season. So that gives you about 40 weekends, which gives you, you know, two times 40, 80 Fridays and Saturdays. So I'm not saying you should. So, you know, looking at that and you're trying to plan for next year and you're trying to plan how many weddings should I shoot this year? And that's a, that's the kind of question I pose to you. How many weddings should you try to book Given the fact that you basically have 80 potential shoot days, 40 potential shoot week weekends, the number I want to say is it's all about capacity. And I want you guys to look this up, look it up on Investopedia or something, but capacity is basically the ability for a business to do, to output work. And the capacity is the maximum ability for a business to output that type of work, that product, that service at a consistent level. You can run the machine. You can drive the car and crank it all the way up to the red meter and just have it hitting on red 
but it's going to fail at some point. The belts are going to fly off. The cogs are going to fly off. The wheels are going to burn to rubber to nothing. And, you know, you're going to run out of gas. The engine's going to sputter or stall or, you know, something in the machine or you're going to run out of uh, of supplies or, or whatever it is, whatever m- mental machine analogy you want to use. Or you just think of like if you are a factory, if your brain is a factory, if your business is this little machine that's just, you know, assembly line, how much can you do? And that is basically your capacity. So I'm saying your maximum capacity is 40%. In a, in a client creative service world, videography, photography, design, graphic design, that is your max should be 40% of your time at the max should be working on client projects. And that seems like a low number. When I first made this, I was like, okay, I was milling it over. It was like maybe 75 maybe 75% of the time, but you start to look back at that number at the potential days that you could possibly be shooting 80 days, 80 possible shoot days. And I was like, 75, no way. That's like, that's almost, you know, 62, 65 weddings shoots a year. That's 65 potential different clients. And it just gets too much. And the book Pricing Creativity by Blair Inns, Blair Inns talks about, he talk he pushes the idea that you can really only manage like 12 clients a year, basically once a month. So just kind of figure out whatever your target revenue is and just multiply that or divide that by 12. And that's how much money per client you need to bring in. So if you want to make $120,000, you need 12 clients at $10,000 a month. It was kind of like, I was like, okay, that's an interesting way to think about it. So 40% is 32 weddings. That's 32 weddings out of a possible 80 shoot days, which doesn't seem like a lot. And 32 weddings would, to a new photographer, seem like a good year. But to some of these veterans, it's like they're like the pros' highest level. They can be shooting 52 weddings a year. That doesn't mean you shoot necessarily once a week. Sometimes you can do plenty of people do Friday-Saturday weddings or Thursday-Friday-Saturday weddings. Or if you're crazy, you do it like three days in a row or two days in a row like that. It can get tiring, um, and especially like in the heaviest of seasons, or it's right around the fall season, or spring season is really kicking it. You might do, say, the month of April, month of May. You might be doing, if there's four weeks in that month, you could be doing four to six weddings, or maybe if you're insane, four to eight weddings. But you kind of want to spread it out over the entire nine-month wedding season, about 32 weddings. And let me kind of, you don't want to always be maxed out. And when and when I say 40%, that like... If you are hitting that, that might be too much for you. And there might be too much to manage. And because, and the idea with capacity is that there's kind of this idea of, you know, we all know about opportunity cost. And that's kind of based on the things that you do or don't do. And and I kind of want to push it more towards like the things you don't do. Like opportunity cost is about, mainly it's about, okay, if I, if I choose to do path A or if I do job A, am I saying no to job B? And this, and if you read The Advice Trap, this is a great book. I recommend you guys read this. But number five of his seven essential questions, and you can ask this to your clients or you can ask this to your mentors or to your mentees if you're a coach. And you say, if you're saying yes to this, what must you say no to? So if I am constantly booked, if every single weekend is booked and I have booked a at a price point, it's at a firm price point, and I, and I just am, I have no room in my schedule. There every week in his book, there's no, there's nothing. I'm, it's like you're firing on all cylinders, 
you what are you potentially saying no to? You're saying yeah, it's like okay, Jordan, I got revenue right here. Revenue's coming in. I got it. We had these weddings booked. But are you saying no to other opportunities? Are you saying no to things in your business that you could be working on? Are you saying no to things such as a larger client or a multiple, you know, a multi-week project, not just a simple wedding? Maybe, maybe you're trying to push more into a different genre. Maybe you're trying to go into fashion photography or fitness photography or brand photography, or, or you maybe want to start to get a lifestyle client under your belt. If you are constantly booked for weddings and you're having to go from straight to weddings on the weekend to editing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and get ready on Friday for the, the Saturday wedding and then you basically have half a day off or you're like working six days a week or six and a half days a week. Are you too burnt out? Are you going to be you're going to are you going to start to fall into that? When are you going to start to fall into that death spiral? But are you going to you know, if an opportunity comes up. Or if someone's gonna double their price for you, or they're gonna pay, you know, if they're you're normally charging three thousand dollars, and someone says, "Hey, I got a project for ten thousand dollars," can you? You're already contractually obligated to this project. Are you, you know, if someone came up, hey, you know, you're normally charging three k, here's ten k, be like, well, I can't accept it because I'm fu- I'm booked, I'm fully booked. It's not possible. I gotta say no, um, and that's what you're saying no to. So you get that's. So I love this question. If you're saying yes to this, what must you say no to? So ask yourself that if I'm fully booked, if there's nothing else left in the chamber, you know, what else could I be doing? Most talk about opportunity cost in the act of doing. If I do this, what will it cost me versus doing this? If I go to college, what will it cost me versus going to work on my small business? What's the opportunity cost there? And think about now opportunity cost of not doing. If I don't do this wedding this weekend, what is my opportunity cost of having a free weekend? You know, is it, is there something I could be working on my business? Could I start to push into a new genre? Some people may have last minute projects that are willing to pay more. I say this, there's no such thing uh, as price discrimination. It's whatever the prices you're willing to pay or whatever you value it is, is the price that it should be. So when someone, it's not unethical when someone has a last minute client or a last minute project saying, I really need, Someone to shoot my wedding tomorrow. My all my photographers dropped out. Are you available? I'd be happy to pay double your rate. If you had some availability, if you had some breathing room in your schedule, you would say, "Yeah, I'm available. I could shoot tomorrow." And yeah, double double my rate sounds great. <laughs> so, um, you know, large high paying clients. Like I said, maybe someone comes in with a ten thousand dollar project, and you've been working down here at three thousand dollars, and now you're able to, you know, triple add you know, 7,000 extra dollars to your project? Um, Are you working on your own business project? Do you have an online course? Do you have some coaching that you want to start working on? Do you want to start working with other photographers? Are you, and, you know, and then there's also the kind of idea of like business hygiene is like one phrase that I came across or heard it on a podcast last week that it was, you know, like keeping your business tidy and organized and making sure like you're staying as productive as possible and you're keeping, you know, not just, I don't mean just like, keeping your files organized and your, you know, your assets organized, but, you know, making sure you're uh, looking forward. I've talked about this, uh, you know, when I work with Notion, you are not just working on a week to week basis, but you're looking at things on a monthly basis, on a project basis, and then on a larger quarterly basis, or like, can you see six months out what you're going to be doing or have an idea in six months, I want to achieve these goals. Um, 
And that's kind of keeping an idea with business, you know, have a little business hygiene. If you are fully booked and you're constantly being overworked and you have no room in your schedule, some of that stuff is going to slip. The la- you know, you always hear, I hear all the time with, with marketing clients, marketing is the last thing I do. It's the, you know, it's such an afterthought. I do all my work. I have all these clients, but I never have time to market my business or it's like, oh, you know, Instagram making YouTube content. It's just like, that's the last thing on my list. I barely can, you know, write a blog post here, let alone, you know, fully happen to spend a whole day or spend half a day on marketing my business. And then finally, your sanity. This is, <laughs> it's a simple one, but you know, to avoid the death spiral and to keep yourself a little bit happy and sustainable throughout this and not be burnt out. Cause if you're burnt out and you don't feel like doing your business, then, uh, you've lost. So how do you, you know, just avoid the burnout, keep your sanity and, uh, still keep moving forward. So here's some things to do when you're approaching your maximum capacity. Let's talk about that. Number one is to raise your rates. It's following just the kind of simple rules of supply and demand. I think whenever people talk, whenever I see, I took an economics class in college. It's just the one-on-one. I'm not a genius, but whenever I see other people talk about supply and demand, and I could be talking about supply and demand wrong, but I think people get it wrong when they talk about supply and demand or they, they use, they put the price. It's like, there's two arrows. It's like, do you go up or down? But if the supply, if the supply of you is low, your time, your availability, your calendar, if that supply is decreasing, getting lower and lower, but your demand is remaining constant or is going up and up and up, then your price should go up. There's less of me and there's more demand of me or a con- or still a constant demand of me. My price has to go up. And people will kind of back off from this. And I've seen people kind of push back at me like, I'm not going to raise my, like, that's, I said, you know, my rates are $2,000. I'm not going to raise my, just because I just, and, and that's what I talked about at the beginning of the, of the video where we, they, with my, the company that I work for, they weren't using their capacity at their advantage to their advantage. It was, they weren't following the simple laws of supply and demand. If the demand is high or constant and your supply is going further and further down and shrinking smaller and smaller, your price naturally should go up. And you and that's easy to communicate to your clients to say, you know what, we're getting booked. We're starting to kind of hit our limit on how many projects we can book this year. Uh I th- you know, our price has to go up. So our 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 rates are going to have to go up. So if you're not okay with this, I understand, but you know, I have to I have to raise my rates to kind of make sure that I can keep all my clients happy and to make sure that I can maintain the same level of quality for all my clients. Uh, the ones I've already booked and the ones I will potentially book here in the future. There's even one. Uh, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what company has done this, but it's like, they don't call it the Dream 10 or the Dream 12, but uh, there are some creative agencies out there and I, very few who have probably adopted this, but it's very kind of like a fantasy to adopt this. But they would take, and these are these are creative agencies that are in super high demand. They say, they they artificially limit their supply, saying we're only going to take, you know, we're only going to take ten clients this year. We're only going to take twelve clients this year. Um, oh, we've officially hit our max of fifteen clients this year, so you're happy. You're more than welcome to book next year, and that's it. Once they hit that limit of fifteen, that's the rest. They don't book anymore. And but and each client has like a you know a, a minimum price, and it's 
very predictable in a way, and it's a way to kind of create a little bit of artificial scarcity for your clients. Uh, I think a couple, you know, there's always webinars that do this. There are, um, yeah, like some online courses and some like masterminds or ma- master classes that will limit the supply, you know, only two seats left, only three seats left. And what that does, you know, when you limit the supply, it keeps the ability to raise your rates. And what they're doing is limiting the capacity. Like, hey, we can only take on, if I'm doing coaching, I can only take on 12 students at a time. I can't manage a hundred students a year. I can really only manage about 12 students a month, 12 students, a, you know, who knows? So it's like that you want to limit that. And they've kind of articulated, like, this is my capacity that I want to work at, that I can safely work at. That's going to keep everybody happy, keep me happy, keep my clients happy, and also still be profitable. Number two is to experiment with your prices. You raise your rates. That's one aspect. But this is where you can start to, once you've hit your limit, once that maybe you've hit your 32 weddings for the year, you've hit that number. And this is where I say to start experimenting with your, why not? You've already hit your limit. You're good. You hit your revenue goal. So the next wedding, if they don't book, it's fine. You've already hit your goal. So this is where you can play around a little bit. And so I put the example after booking 30 weddings, and this is just an example. You don't have to do this exact thing, but increase your rates by $500 per wedding or $1,000 per wedding. And it would look something kind of like this, where wedding number three, wedding, not wedding number three, wedding number 30, say is 2,500, then you add 500, then you add 500, then you add 500. And you just keep adding 500 for every one that you book. And the, and again, the price goes up. It makes sense. You can justify it to your clients. We're, we have limited space here, limited, cape, you know, and the, it's just profit for you at this point. You, they say no, no big deal. You still get hit your revenue goal for the year. Uh, now it's just kind of playing around. Um, so with a model like this, where you increase by 500 for every additional project, after you book four more weddings, Beyond your goal, you've made five thousand in profit, and not have to really do anything. You know, it's still the same project. Um, and when I say this is, this could find your true value because you just keep going up and up. And what you know, when I say true value, I mean maybe you set yourself at twenty five hundred, but maybe you could probably actually be charging four thousand or five thousand. That's your true value. And then as you kind of keep going and going and going. You know, maybe you get to six thousand dollars for your wedding, and then you start to hit that limit. Maybe you start to hit that ceiling. You go, oh, okay. So I was charging twenty five hundred, and as I got to wedding number thirty eight or whatever the number is, as I got to wedding number thirty eight and started charging, the last one is fifty five hundred, and now this one I charge six thousand. Hmm. So people start to push back on here, or you know, maybe they don't buy. Maybe the next person gets to six thousand. Maybe they don't buy. So you go, okay, maybe my limit, or maybe a. Uh, Based on what I've bundled together as this package, is maybe valued at fifty five hundred, huh? Maybe I maybe that's what I start charging next year, um, and not really change anything else but the price. Number three is outsource. So when you hit your limit, maybe you you have you can't do more than thirty weddings. That's your or thirty two weddings. That's your limit, and I say to start outsourcing because you have to remember that you're in the photography business. And no one said that you had to shoot the wedding. It's, we, it's, you know, oh, but they're buying me. They're buying my style. They're buying my LUTs and presets. Not necessarily. They are, maybe you can do the edits, but I'm, I'm a big believer of trying to be in two places at once. 
Because if you are booked or, you know, you have a Friday wedding coming up and a client calls last minute and they say they need a Saturday wedding and maybe the drive on Friday, you're going to have to get a hotel that night so you can't show up to the wedding on Saturday. Dig into your network. Find a capable photographer. Maybe it's your second shooter. Maybe this is your chance to tell your second shooter, hey, I want you to be first shooter and I want you to go shoot this wedding out here in the country on Saturday. I got a wedding on Friday. You just call me and tell me how it is or tell me what gear you need and I got it. I'll got it handled for you. And so you start to step away a little bit as a just a technician photographer that, you know, we talked about this last week. You're not, you're not just a tech, you know, the technical technician. You're not the baker. You can be the manager. You can be the entrepreneur. You can back up a little bit even further. So be in two places at once. I've done that before for wedding videos. I, and it was amazing. I have a client that was perfectly happy. I never met him. Never met him. I edited the, I edited the footage. I accepted the cash payment, got her to sign the contract. Never met her. Never said hi to her. Never seen her face to face. But my second shooter, I said, Hey man, you can, you go shoot this. This is, I think you can, you can totally handle, handle this by yourself. You go be the first shooter. And he did great. It was fantastic. And he got paid. I got paid and the client got what they needed. And I was able, I was able to shoot a wedding on Friday. He was able to shoot the wedding on Saturday. And it was like I was in two places at once. I was a, I became a business at that point. I didn't, I wasn't just a freelancer having to sell my time, sell my availability, sell me in person all the time. I was able to kind of expand it. And if you have worked with your photographer friends, if you have worked with other second shooters and you don't trust them, you want, I want to work with second shooters that I trust. Trust so much that I believe that they could they could be my first shooter. They could be the first shooter and I could be the second shooter. That's how much capabilities I want and belief I want to have in them. So why not? And it empower it's like it's I think it's a win-win for everybody. If you're trying to act like you're in two places at once or expand your business, you're empowering your second shooters to step up to the plate, be a first shooter. Maybe it doesn't work out. It's fine. It's it, you take you take all the risk. Take all the risk for your second shooters. Push them out there, encourage them to be the best they can be, and you're you know, and it's like I said, they're in two places at once. I'm I'm harping on this, but this is something that photographers think about, or it's such an afterthought sometimes, and I'm not sure why, because they get so drunk on the thought that it has to be me, that they are buying me, that they are buying my LUTs, they are buying how I shoot, and you shoot great, your LUTs are great, your presets are great, how you edit the photos are great, but. Not all clients are going to notice, and if you are not training your second shooters to shoot like you, then you're not being a very good first shooter. You should kind of act like a little bit of a mentor so that if you had to step away, that they could totally cover it. So, And to, and you should also think about this, and they call this selling the bat phone, where if you want access to me specifically, you got to pay extra. But if you want access to us, our process, how we work here, that's, you know, that's a base price. That's a minimum price. But if you want access to specifically me to show up at your wedding and shoot it, that's going to cost extra. And that's fine. People want that. Be like, I want you. I love you. I love hanging out with you. I think you should be here. Cool. It's going to be, going to be some. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So we're coming towards the end of this. But I want you to think of this. I want you to think of your clients and your bundle of clients as an airplane. Okay. And I'm, I'm not, I want to credit 
Ronald J. Baker, or credit Blair Inns, who credits Ronald J. Baker. The book is Implementing Value Pricing. And I want you to think about this. This is called the Adaptive Capacity Model. And I hope I haven't lost you from those big words. And what it does is you kind of want to break up your client base into little sections. The majority, the 30 to 40, the 30 to 50 percent are going to be regular price people. You want to leave some capacity for your first class, your business class folks who are going to pay a little premium for doing kind of the same work that is sort of in the full rate, normal rate, but you want to leave some open seats for those people to slot in. And then you want to have 15 to 35, 10 to 20 on the low end for people you give discounts to, people that just need a one-off. Hey, shoot my engagement on Tuesday, $500. Thanks. It's an hour. See you later. So you want to kind of have this like, and this is not going to be a perfect division, and I'm not saying to fill up the airplane entirely, because as you probably know from experience, some airplanes, and you look, you're like, hey, wait, ah, why are, this airplane's half empty? And it's like, well, not every airplane has to be completely booked. And this is what Ronald J. Baker says in his book, Implementing Value Pricing. I recommend it. I love this book. This is a thick, nerdy textbook about pricing. Um, and I've, I've quoted it for you. So remember the objective is not to fill the plane. It's to maximize the profit over a given time period. If that can be done at 60% capacity, so much the better as the excess capacity can be invested elsewhere. And I probably should have said this quote at the very beginning of the show because this is everything right here. This is when people make the argument, I have to be fully booked. I have to be booked 52 weeks out of the year, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I have to constantly be working. No, you don't because you might, you need to leave some room open, leave a little bit of breathing room open for your business in case large projects come to the door. You know, a project that is worth multiples of what you typically charge. You know, this is your kind of first class clients if, compared to your regular coach, you know, normal class, uh, clients. And if you're able to hit your revenue goal with 20 wedding shoots for the year versus having to shoot 32, versus having to shoot 52, then what does it matter? Now you got some room. Now you got a little bit of excess where you can go invest it into other parts of your business. And this is where I think you're going to, this is personally, this is where I've seen that I've had the most impact. And this is where I've seen the most return on investment has been if I charge more, if I charge a higher rate, then I'm able to spend more time on my business and spend more time creating products, creating uh, courses, cr learning, educating myself so that I can reinvest in myself and also at the same time even make like capital investments. If I charge more, I have more money to spend on better cameras, better software, better gear that can make my business better, more efficient to become more profitable and becomes instead of a death spiral where you're constantly working, it becomes a positive feedback loop where the more time you have to invest in yourself, the more that returns on investment and more you can reinvest those profits, whether it is capital, software, efficiencies, and become more efficient, become more profitable, have more open space to the point where you, this is where it becomes that positive feedback loop so much so fast that you are totally out of the business. And now you stepped away completely from your business where it's running itself now. You, you can, you can step away entirely, runs itself, making money for you. It sounds like a scam. It sounds insane and not believable, but it is. That, and that's the kind of goal you want to achieve. And that's where 
you know, people, you know, there's some people that want the lifestyle business. They want to still be doing it. They want to shoot the photography. They want to be in, you know, but it's not, you're not going to be wanting to, you're not going to want to do that forever. You need to start creating a business and a system that kind of starts to feed itself positively so that there are positive feedback loops over and over and over on itself. And that's by having capacity. That's by having a moment to breathe, by having a moment to kind of poke your head up, look around, scan, find the opportunities out there and go after them. Uh, no, there's nothing worse than you. maybe you do take a breather, you look around, you see an opportunity, and you just let it just pass you by and you go, well, I'm stuck here. It'd be like you get chained. It's almost like you're just chained to your job. When you're fully booked and you're shooting 52 weddings, I'm not saying everyone's shooting. I'm just using the, it's an exaggeration. But, you know, you're shooting 52 weddings a year or you're just 100% booked. You know, you can't go after those opportunities. Or you can't go after those cool new projects or those projects that are going to push your work further or push you creatively further or get you better at running your business because you are just, you know, copy paste doing the same day in, day out, over and over monotonous project just to say, I hit my revenue goal. Great. Now what are you going to do? You're going to do the same exact thing next year and the same exact thing next year? No, you want to, oh, I'll raise my prices next year. I'm fully booked this year, but next year I'm going to raise my prices. Keep pushing it. Keep going further. Once you get closer and closer to that capacity, start to raise your prices. Start to experiment with your prices. And then start to look at outsourcing. Look at who you can give a call to your friend. Hey, hey, I got this project. I can't shoot it this Saturday or I'm working on something else this Saturday. Can you shoot it? So let's recap, folks. So you should not be, shouldn't be fully booked. Your max capacity should be about 40%. So about 40% of your time at the max, which means don't don't go over 40%. Stay in the 30%. Stay in 35% land. Stay in 25% of that time should be spent working on actual projects, actual revenue client projects. You need that other 60% to have some breathing room, to have some time to explore other projects. And I say 32 weddings should be your goal. So think now you got to start to maybe re- engineer everything or think about like, okay, what do I want my profit to be? What do I want my revenue goal to be? And how can I do that with 32 weddings? If I had 32 weddings this year, which means, so 32 out of 52 weeks, maybe you're shooting one wedding a week, 32 out of 52, uh, that gives you 20 extra weeks. That gives you four to five months of open time to do whatever you want to invest in your business um, and to think about things in a little bit of a broader sense. Think about like the advice trap book. If you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? If I take this gig where I'm all, I'm pretty burnt out and it's about the same price as last time, yes, I'll have a little bit more revenue, but what is it going to cost me? If what's the and what is the benefit of not doing this project? If I said no to this, what would be the benefit? And the, the, these are some of the things that you might be missing or that you could be benefiting from if you said no to some of these projects that once you've hit your goal, once you've hit your limit, start to explore because you need to keep yourself a little bit open because, you know, like with an airline, they want to have a little bit of breathing room leading up to the day of the flight because there are going to be some people that are going to want to pay extra the night before the flight. And they'll pay extra versus someone that paid six weeks out. You're going to have those people that the flight is on Saturday 
and they're, it's Friday night, and they, you know, the normal price was $400 for a ticket, and now it's up to $1,000, and they're willing to pay $1,000 for that same exact flight that somebody else paid $400 for six weeks ago. They booked it a long time ago. You need to have, you want to have that ability to make that quick profit. So if someone has a wedding coming up and you're fully booked, you might be able to take it. You might be able to outsource it. But if you had that little bit of breathing room, you say, yeah, no, I can take this. And yeah, you're going to pay double for it and I'm going to make some profit from it. You want to leave some room for high paying clients. You want to leave some room for your own business projects, marketing your business. Marketing should not be an afterthought. It should be something that you do consistently spend at least a day, at least one day a week on it. Uh, and then finally, your sanity. That's nothing, nothing more simple than that. Okay, that is the end of our presentation, folks. Thanks for watching, everybody. This was super, super good. I love this kind of stuff. I love, I love, you see the passion in me that I'm just like, and I'm nerding out on pricing. It's like, it's the one thing that I don't think gets talked about enough in marketing. And it's, yeah, you can make a, the, the paint color can be flashy. The product can be flashy, but the price is another part of your marketing mix that I think is so, it's such a, it's some, something fun to experiment with. And, uh, but speaking of all that, and if you want some more guides to pricing, or if you want to like delve a little bit more into how to price yourself as a wedding photographer, I have this free guide. Let me cue this up for you guys. This is a free guide that I made. It is Jordan's, uh, no, I'm not say Jordan's guide. It is the wedding photographer's quick guide to pricing. So just go to jordanpanderson.com slash pricing. Totally free. It's a nice little PDF for you guys to go through, check it out. And it goes through kind of these four main principles that are going to help you raise your rates. I think overnight. Yeah. You know, I think by after reading this, you'll be able to set, it's like some actionable stuff. And I, I don't like, you know, it can get, Pricing can get very conceptual and get very theory, strategy. I wanted to make a little price guide like this where you read it and say, oh, I can do two out of the four things. I can do three out of the four things. I can do all four of these things instantly, add them to my business. And there, I just raised my rates. So thanks for watching. My name is Jordan P. Anderson. Do all the fun stuff, like, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Set a reminder for Wednesday that we're going to be live streaming, usually around nine o'clock. And go get this guide for free, folks. JordanPAnderson.com slash pricing. And I will see you on the next one. This is just a taste of everything that I'm offering over here in the Perfect Wedding Package. This is the kind of stuff where you're able to really take a step back. Like I, I want to really emphasize that you need some outside perspective on what you're offering your clients to look at your product, repackage it, put it in a unique combination of ways that says like, I am unique. This is how I'm going to raise my prices. This is worth it. Like when you finally make the perfect wedding package, you no longer feel the need to justify or you no longer have that fear that a client is going to look at your prices, feel that sticker shock and say, no, you're too expensive. We're not going to go with you. Sticker shock comes from your failure to communicate what it is that you offer. And when you're able to put together a, a kick-ass offering and say, like, these are all the things I'm going to provide. I'm not just going to provide a simple, I'm going to show up and shoot your wedding and give you some digital prints and call it a day and I'll maybe do an engagement session. You're able to think about everything that you can do as a photographer to make their experience as unique and powerful and as memorable as possible. And you say, 
here is the package. Boom, boom. I keep doing this with my hands. You learn all of this in the perfect wedding package. And then you're able to attach a huge price tag next to that. And so that you're not having this horrible race to the finish off season where you feel like you're running out of gas. If you're barely making it to the finish line, you go, how can I keep doing this every year? I can't keep shooting 50 weddings a year. There's got to be another way. And this is what I want to offer you guys. I want to give you guys an option. This is your chance to get out of that cycle of saying, I can't keep doing this or my clients are killing me. The answer, Jordan, I have to shoot less projects, but if I shoot less projects, then I'm going to make less money. You can do something like this. Take the perfect wedding package, understand how you can raise your price, make a, a better and more valuable offering to your clients so that when you can raise your prices, you can do less. And you can start to think and step back a little bit more. And instead of at the very end in the off season, you're having to do your reviews and take a breather that you can do, take a breather in the middle of the wedding season, that you can take a breather after each project because you're not having to hustle all the time. Your price, if you raise your prices, if you raise your prices, you're able to take a second to breathe and you're able to have better clients and provide a better client experience. As a wedding photographer, I want you guys to go to theperfectweddingpackage.com. Check it out. It's the perfect wedding. I'll, I'll give you the whole breakdown. It's the perfect wedding package. It comes with a template where I show you exactly how you need to frame your prices, frame your offering, and you get the you get the whole PDF InDesign template as well as a video lesson just like this where we walk through each step. I'm not going to leave you hanging and just give you a template and say, figure it out. We're going to go through step by step and say, this is how you do it. This is the things to watch out for. These are the traps you might fall into. Here is how I would present my prices to my wedding client. And on top of that, you're also going to get a wedding photographer website audit. I want to go to your website. I want to take a look at everything that you're offering. You know, I'll give you comments about the fonts, about where I would place the picture, what kind of navigation I would have, and like, and give you an overall perspective while using your website. All right. So now we get that's a $2,000 offer. You got the template that's a $100. It's $250. I'm losing my math here. And then we're also, I'm also going to offer you, if you sign up for the perfect wedding package, I'll also do a one-on-one pr -on -one pricing workshop with you. So you watch the videos of me, you read the template, and now you and I get to set up a personal phone call, video call, phone call, whatever you feel comfortable with, where we go through and I say, let me see your prices, let me see the template you built, and we, and I'll give you some feedback, and I'll say, and we can even do a role play, we can even do some practice rounds as, as a client, and say like, what would, you know, Here's what I would do differently. Here's how I would improve this. So you get real time and I want you guys to, I want you guys to get this wedding package and have it up and running so that when you're, when the new season is up and you're ready to go, you got clients in the door and you're handing over this wedding package to them and they're saying, this makes sense. Here's the result I want you guys to get. I want you guys to double your prices, triple your prices overnight to, and I want you guys to be blown away and, and feel nervous like, there's no way I can be charging this, Jordan. Like, this is insane. I've never charged this amount of money before. And you're telling me this is what I should put in front of my clients. And I'm saying, hell yes, put that right in front of your client. You need to have the confidence to do it. And, and they're going to buy it. They're going to, they are going to choose this option. Trust me. And when they, and like I said at the beginning of this whole episode, it takes a certain amount of belief that you have to believe that this is all possible. And maybe that's my, maybe that's job number one for me is I need to make you believe that this is all possible. You get the pricing workshop. That's another $2,000 value. Months from now, 
I want you guys to still have access to me. So I want to offer as well the the third bonus as a part of the whole wedding package, the perfect wedding package.com is you get access to me on Discord. Anytime a thought comes up, you want to work, you know, you got you redid your pricing template sheet again and I want you to send it over to me, send me an, a message on Discord and say, "Hey Jordan, I need some help with this. Here's what I'm working with." And when I want you to go through it in real time, and you also will have a community there. We'll all be together as photographers, as creatives, working together, supporting each other. That, that's what I want it to, it to be as well. A safe place where you can say, hey, I need help with my pricing. I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm a little bit nervous. I got a client coming up. Uh, what should I do, Jordan? So all of that, that entire thing, the three bonuses I just mentioned, the templates, the video lessons, all of that is a $5,000 offer. And I'm going to offer it to you guys for $97. It's $97 on theperfectweddingpackage.com. Head over there. Let me know if you have any questions. Thank you guys for watching. My name is Jordan P. Anderson, and I'll see you on the next one.